Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Gray Gordon of Kill Surf City, Terminal Crush, and the podcast Demo Listen. We talked about Polvo's underrated 1993 classic, Today's Active Lifestyles, and about where have all the true weirdos gone? I'm wondering. Okay. Please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. We have a weekly series going with my co-host Sarah Blumenthal where we talk about records from our past. So please go subscribe for $1 or more. If you like what we do, then subscribing helps us pay hosting fees and you get cool exclusive content. So win-win. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at SpinningOutPod. Tell a friend about the podcast or just share the pod or retweet our content. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It seriously helps. And, yes, I'm begging. There, I said it. So I'm begging you. Please help. Okay, enough of that. Let's chat with Greg. Hey, Gray, how's it going? It's good. I'm hanging out. As we discussed uh, off air, I just got done eating a lot of very delicious tacos. So I got some acid reflux mm. going, but other than that, it's it's going really well. Mm, that's always good for the pod. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got some got some burps on deck, <laughs> ready, to, <laughs> releva- ready to elevate the quality of your podcast. Yeah, what quality? <laughs> but Fair enough. We are talking about Polvo's 1993 album, Today's Active Lifestyles, and that was their second album. came out on Merge Records, produced by Bob Weston mm-hmm. of Shellac fame, and that's about all I got for that. Uh, they are interesting people in a sense that there are no controversies with this band. Like, there's almost nothing that you could sort of skate on, this person did this, or fault this person, or... You know, any of those nice little things. Um, so with all that said, when was your first time listening to Polvo or this record? So this, uh, a song off of this record, particularly Stinger, Five Wigs, which is the last song on the A side of this LP, was my first introduction to this band, um, along with actually the opening track off of their uh, their debut LP, Corcoran Secret, um, uh, uh, Vibra Cobra. So I was like, this was like the heyday of, you know, peer to peer file sharing, um, mm-hmm. like the early aughts. And I was just getting into, um, every type of sort of like weirdo, uh, punk adjacent music that I could possibly find. I was spending a lot of time on like music blogs and stuff. This was prior to the blog spot period. Um, but I was reading like everything I could about just like weirdo stuff. And I'm not entirely sure how I got onto this era of like weird idiosyncratic nineties music. Um, Mm -hmm. but whatever opened the door for me, I somehow ended up downloading like a few MP3s from like a few sort of key bands from this era of indie rock that were in the sort of like the merge matador touch and go record scenes. 
and uh so i got a, a few few polvo songs uh at the same time that i got a few shellac songs um i got a few like slint songs all at the same time so i was sort of like bombarded with this like wall of life-changing music from all of these different bands at exactly the same time um and i think stinger is like the first of all of that stuff that i heard and um i was like probably 13 or 14 years old i want to say 14 mm-hmm. And, like, I was just immediately struck by it. Uh, I I went out and acquired the CD as soon as I possibly could. There was a record store within walking distance of my house, luckily. So, um, and they happened to, they happened to have copies of, uh, the first two Polvo records on CD. So I picked up both of those. I picked up Spiderland by Slint at the same time. And I just like fully, fully immersed myself in this, in this world for a minute when I was a kid. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty early on. Uh, I feel like I, probably didn't get into a lot of this style because i feel like i had the same kind of like digging into it this time frame but i was i think in college at that point Mm -hmm. like it was yeah it was probably like 10 years after you depending you know right um and that kind of seems like if you're around our age where i i know a lot of my friends tend to get into it so i guess being 13 and checking out polvo is definitely a little bit advanced because i'm 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 kind of like thinking like did you just like how did it hit you do you, if you remember like listening to a band like this um or like any of this record at that time frame well it just felt like a completely different take on guitar music and i mean i didn't have sort of like a broader um sort of like social or cultural context in which to like place indie and alt rock and stuff because i was like quite literally a kid who had just started going to shows recently around that time so my understanding of like genre um and all of the sort of nuances of of these scenes was pretty much non-existent so i think hearing this at like 13 or 14 was kind of the perfect moment to do it because i could hear it without sort of like the subcultural trappings that surround this stuff. And I I think hearing it with almost no context is just like the best way to do it. Um, So I was kind of primed for like weirdo guitar music anyway, because my dad was into like punk and hardcore in the eighties and indie rock and, and alt rock and college rock and all that stuff. And my stepdad was too. And my stepdad was particularly into like butthole surfers and shit. Oh, okay. And so I think, I think honestly, yeah, butthole surfers actually come to think of it might have, might, might be what kind of kicked off my exploration of this kind of stuff. Cause during that period of time, I was obsessed with their record, Psychic Powerless, Another Man's Sack, which was a touch and go records release. And it, it wouldn't leave my disc mint for like months at a time. Um, so I think that, that actually might be the thing that like kicked, kicked off my interest in this kind of stuff and got me actively looking for other touch and go bands, which led to Merge and Matador and all of the sort of like adjacent indie labels that were doing similar stuff around around this time amphetamine reptile all that kind of stuff so i i you know i have to give all the credit for my early discovery of of this stuff to like my dad and and stepdad and and family who were all into cool shit you know yeah yeah my dad was into like arlo guthrie so kind of like building up like a foundation that kind of led me to polvo you know i needed to actually like build a foundation because yeah um yeah i mean it's just interesting to to i think one of the good things like kind of growing up slightly before the internet or before you could really do much on it except like go to like wrestling forums sure yeah um or at least that's my experience 
um, you it's like someone told me like a certain band was like punk and I just kind of took their word for it mm-hmm. like it's it's like oh Operation Ivy it's sick of it all uh, spaz and then you know like Charles Bronson or whatever it was like even on to like pop punk stuff and I was like wow it can almost be like whatever mm-hmm. you know so then there were just other things that kind of trickled in that were probably like more akin to like Polvo these kind of indie rock bands that I didn't know to call them indie rock bands they were right. just kind of weird you know For so sure. it's like yeah like Polvo is tuneful yet abrasive at the same time uh, which also is like this era of merge touch and go and matador is like probably my favorite of that time frame because it's it's just that type of thing that whenever kind of a sub genre kind of starts they don't even know they're starting it it's like they're just kind of doing it and then people are just responding off the same things out in the world in their own different ways and then it's like oh we're kind of doing a thing together Mm -hmm. so it's like i i tend to feel like even like kind of that first wave of like youth crew was like the best because they didn't know right you know and it's like and it's the same like going into whatever this style of guitar rock is it's like they just kind of were were responding off of punk and i guess college rock but they yeah just those type of touchstones you know Mm -hmm. like with rem even like almost 10 years before like kind of just doing it and then it just being like a very regional thing right in north carolina and georgia they didn't have a name for it they were just playing music and that's right always like the best ways you know yeah for that's sure. what polvo feels like yeah for sure i mean i think i think that uh that entire scene was like it really captured lightning in a bottle in a way that all of the, sort of like the best historic music scenes do you know first wave american hardcore or like 77 british punk or like you know original blue note jazz or like whatever take your pick um and you know all of those bands were sonically similar in some ways but like distinctly idiosyncratic too you know i mean like you could draw parallels to archers of loaf or like chavez a couple years later or shellac or whatever um but they were all incredibly distinct in their own right too you know and so you have this like great degree of sonic variance even within like this little sort of micro micro genre that was emerging during that period of time and it's just such a cool thing i think discovering all of all of these bands and polvo in particular at such such a young age like i said I, i think without that cultural context too without the sort of like academic bent the academic like understanding of it in retrospect was just like a real magical thing because to me i mean it literally just sounded like magic like i was like because i had just started playing guitar around then and i was just teaching myself like i wasn't taking lessons or anything so it was quite literally i was just in the process of trying to figure out how to do even basic things on a guitar you know make a power chord and and stuff like that so when i heard uh you know today's active lifestyles it was just it was truly like I had no understanding of how you could even potentially make a guitar sound like that. You know, it was just like, it was truly baffling. I, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Um, and I know like within, within like a year of like teaching myself and like getting down, you know, Ramon songs and stuff. Um, I had, I had upgraded to like this shitty Epiphone from like my shitty, uh, like Squire Strat and a few of the of the strings had broken on my strat and i hadn't gotten around to like replacing them so i only had like three strings on it and i remember just thinking like i'm just gonna fuck around and i just like 
I I just tuned them until they sounded like good open. Like I didn't really have any conception of like open tunings or anything. So I just t- tuned them until they sounded good open. And it was just like, I'm going to try and write songs that sound like Polvo. And I remember just like sitting there at the age of like 14, 15 in front of my like really shitty, like skinny computer mic, um, just like cranking out on my, on my Squire, on my shitty Fender practice amp, like writing shit that I thought sounded like today's active lifestyles. And I wish so badly that like the hard drive, all that stuff was on, um, didn't crash years ago. Cause I would love to hear like what 14 year old me thought was an emulation of Polvo, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would love I don't to even that. know if, I don't even know if now at my age, if I would, I still don't know like how they make the sounds they do. Like, no. I'm like, I don't know. It's just all these like happy accidents. And I love that kind of feeling. Like when I first heard Polvo, it kind of makes me think of like the first time I heard like spaz. Like it just feels like you take something and it's like, I don't think it's supposed to sound like this. And I just get, the like the most joy from it mm-hmm. like it's like what the way this record starts it's like that yep. and then when the well when the bass hits it's like even more fucked up sounding and then eventually it kind of comes in together mm-hmm. you know it's just like it still like makes me happy like if i'm listening to it around someone that hasn't heard polvo you feel like they're like what the fuck is this you know and that's like the best feeling oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah, if it, I I recommend Polvo to people sometimes if I think they're like in the in the headspace to to like to tackle it, you know. And I always love hearing back from people. Like I've had a few friends kind of like live text me as they're experiencing this record for the first time and just be like, "Dude, this is weird. Like this is bizarre." And like I mean, I've used the term idiosyncratic several times already, but like I, I think that's really the perfect way to sum this up. I mean, it's like truly, this band is truly singular. In, in a way that I think like very few groups can can honestly lay claim to you know like it's you know you you described like happy accidents and I think a lot of this stuff it feels like very improvisational you know in the way that jazz is where like and you talk about those moments where like you know everything comes together there are these like moments where it does feel like almost free improvisation like kind of by pure happenstance like coalescing and matching up for these like beautiful moments of like reverie and then all kind of falling apart again and then like reuniting moments later and I I think it like it imbues a lot of the songs on this record at least to me with like a very um a very like celebratory energy too you know what I mean like this stuff feels like there's there's like an, a, a through line I think of like melancholy to a lot of this stuff as well but overall it feels like a very celebratory record to me yeah yeah they and a little bit of stuff that I read about them like the paragraph essentially in the merge book that you know they, they were talking about how they started hearing about them because they were playing like basement shows mm-hmm. in Chapel Hill and that's like when I think of, like, the best basement show I can think of, like, hearing a band like Polvo would, like, blow your mind. Yeah. Like, because it's, you can have fun with it. It's just, it feels like this primal kind of nothing matters kind of thing. And it, and that makes me, the thing, the thread that I keep kind of thinking of is, like, what if kind of the scene produced a bunch of like bands that emulated polvo and i don't even think that's possible because it's like 
when you think about like Jesus Lizard and then you think about like a few years ago where there were a bunch of bands that, you know, that kind of noise rock revival that mm-hmm. kind of happened a few years ago, you feel like they're not even really doing Jesus Lizard properly. Right. You know, um, there's a lot of things that I feel like they leave out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, maybe people are ripping off Polvo and I just don't hear Polvo in it, you know? Sure, yeah. Like, I, mean, I think there are very, there are very few examples of, of, of people that I can think of, at least in like our peer group. Um, you know, even extended peer group who are like actively citing Polvo as an influence in their writing. The w- one that I can think of uh, is taking meds. Um, okay, yeah, I could hear that. I, there. And but but not so much this era of Polvo because I think the, those dudes like Ben and Skyler got into that shit a little bit later, and they got into it through um, like Siberia and like the their later like late aughts early teens efforts which are fucking great records yeah they're great everything that they've released since they've been been a band uh, since they like reunited is uh, is phenomenal but it's like a little bit more overtly indebted to like Prague uh, like you know traditional Prague rock I mean it's still distinctly Polvo but um, so yeah I know Taking Meds tries to like channel like actively tries to channel some Polvo um, but I can't think of a whole lot of whole lot of other bands yeah and even because when i was just looking at like their wikipedia um like what genre it says they are Mm -hmm. it's like post-hardcore and i'm like oh sure i guess and then it's like noise rock Eh, not but it's like they're not doing a lot of things that i feel like noise rock bands were trying to do at this time frame and then math rock and i'm like any if most of the time if someone tells me they're math rock like i I don't want it no not at all (laughs) and it's like so it's like I don't I understand that like things are dissonant sure. in Polvo, but I, I, it's like I wouldn't put them as math rock, you know? Yeah, no, definitely yeah. not. It's it's not um, it's not like intentionally noodly enough, you know? No, it's just that he's just. I think a lot of the point that kind of kept running through my head, like it's like they just all are all weirdos mm-hmm. in the best way. Yeah, and. I think the thing I was going to, like, bring to this episode was just going to be, like, are people, like, weirdos in the same way as this? Like, because it's, like, they're not – because I feel like the thing that a lot of people do whenever they're, like, I'm a weirdo is they're constantly, like, pushing a button. But I think this is, like – and that's fine. I I get joy out of that, too. But it's, like – but it's, like, they just are. Right. You know, it's just – they're. it's just, like, someone that just – a towny weirdo that walks around with like you know they like i can imagine one of them walking around chapel hill holding their guitar without a case like right. basically for the whole day <laughs> absolutely you know? <yeah>. no doubt <laughs> and you're like why there's an easier way to do that it's just that's the way they did it you know for sure man and that that's what i imagine and that's what i feel like with a lot of this scene it's just kind of like before it got snatched up by major labels or wherever it went. I mean, Polvo didn't go that way. Right. But it's just, these were just guys about town, you know? No doubt. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so my friend Nate and I uh, do a podcast called Demo Listen, and that's something that we talk about very frequently is just like uh, the, the phenomenon of the best music 
almost always being created by like the truly authentic weirdos where there's like there's no pretense whatsoever it's just like they truly can't help but to be exactly the person that they are you know and I always got that impression from from Polvo and like just the scene scene surrounding them you know it's just like there's there's a quality there that that mirrors um i think like the first wave of like american hardcore to me i think it's definitely post-hardcore in spirit more than even sonically because it is so like boldly boldly irreverent in terms of like their regard for like the the sort of like tropes and standards of guitar music you know what i mean it's like taking something that is sort of um, familiar and pre-existing and like totally turning on turning it on its head and I think it it also contains like it's hard to say because like when I listen back to this record I can't tell if they're like charmingly amateurish or like totally pro in terms of their playing because there's so many things that sound like flubs or mistakes or things that I wouldn't be able to intentionally recreate that I'm not sure if they're just like so wildly brilliant that they can make it sound like they're playing that way on purpose or like if it's a total accident, which is absolutely a quality that's present in like early hardcore stuff, you know, when shit like goes off beat or something or like something just doesn't quite line up, but but on the same token, it lines up just right. That is like, it just, it's like, there's so much of that, like in void, like void's a perfect example. You know what I mean? There's the, that music is like so incredibly dissonant, dissonant and off kilter. And like when listening back to it again, it's like hard to place, like were these dudes doing this fully intentionally or it was like a complete accident. Um, and I think Polvo captures that. And like that really spoke to me as a young person who was like a, a big fan of like, early punk and early hardcore already at that age like i think polvo had it was they were bringing something to the table that was incredibly familiar to me that i think like other indie and college rock bands that i was getting into at the same time like did they just didn't have that component in their music you know uh anytime i've tried to talk to lou barlett it's just been a couple times like but if you talked if you bring up like void or early hardcore Mm -hmm. like he he will talk to you. Oh, 100%. That's how, that's how I beca- that's how I became acquaintance uh, acquaintances with him. I, I, I wore um a Neo's shirt to a solo gig he was playing and he was like, "Oh, that's a Neo's shirt. That's Pusshead. That's like Pusshead art. That's crazy, man." And it's like by the end of our conversation, he just like gave me his phone number cuz he was just like, "Hey man, you know, I feel like I can I can fucking get along with anybody in a Neo's shirt." You know what I mean? So. Yeah, that, like it's like the same kind of I mentioned some early hardcore record to Mac from Super Chunk mm-hmm. and it was just like easy conversation. Like yeah. it's the way in because and all that to say just like I think you're correct about um you know, these were people that grew up kind of on that era of hardcore yeah and then i think they just also got into other things so it's kind of like the two lining up mm-hmm. um and that's always like i feel like i can you know i can dig a lot of indie rock that feels like it's tied to punk in yeah, some way totally you know and it's it doesn't need to like broadcast it loudly i just need to feel it mm-hmm. because it's like 
that feeling of kind of like, oh, you know that they recorded it in like three days or, you know, whatever, just in, in any sort of way that that spirit is there. Right. And then I feel like I understand like where you're starting at. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and so much of this era is that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so that's, that's another thing we talk about on the podcast a lot because we, you know, we, the premise of the show is that people just submit music to us. You know, the only really, cri- the criteria is that it's got to be recently released, uh, like contemporary music and that it's broadly speaking, either under the punk umbrella or like adjacent to it. So that includes, you know, indie emo, whatever. Um, and anytime that we get on the topic of like college rock and indie rock, I, I can I, I I can never help but to bring up the fact that like all of the best indie rock is like created by hardcore and punk people like across across the board and like I mean truly that first wave of college rock is by and large like people coming from punk and hardcore but I mean like Husker Du and Sugar and like Dinosaur Jr. and Super Chunk, you know what I mean? I mean, even in uh, one of the early Portostatic videos, Mac is wearing a black flag, slip it in t-shirt, you know what yeah. I mean? Or like there's a, a Lou Barlow uh, like live set from like 93, like uh, he's doing like a live like solo acoustic Sebado uh, songs in like a, a record store and he's wearing like a black flag beanie or, or you know nirvana in ssd shirts or fucking uh even evan dando from lemonheads you know talking about how like getting into ssd and like first wave hardcore is the reason that lemonheads exist there used to be a video online it's not around anymore but uh of like springa from ssd like singing with like the lemonheads as his backup band doing like a cover of glue at like a lemonheads show and it, it's just like that through line of like punk and hardcore continuity into like college and indie rock of the late 80s and early 90s to me is the thing that that keeps me connected to it and i i 100 agree with you it's like a it's kind of a hard to quantify thing it's 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 hard to sort of like capture or describe like the qualities that immediately tie something to punk or hardcore that isn't explicitly punk or hardcore but it's just like I, I think not to sound pretentious but I just think if you're of that world you just you you perceive it immediately you know yeah it's like it is like a radar kind of thing like it's like for instance uh since I like grew up in church and stuff like that I feel like I can sniff out people that were church kids mm-hmm. like it's just something about it like they could have changed everything about them and then there's just a little thing that I could, I feel like I could never explain. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, and then I'll, I feel like I'll root it out of them. Right. I knew, I know who all those kids are just by like kind of meeting them. And then, so in the same sense, it's like, there's oftentimes no good way to explain what it is. And I think that's good. Like, I think I love it when a lot of these people kind of push far away, but it's like, they're keeping some sort of spirit of it, mm-hmm. but they're doing something that doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to throw in this reference to that. Right. You know, it's like it can be its own thing. And a lot of times it's like these people wear shirts and things like that. But it's like you could easily listen to Super Chunk and not like, you know, like 82 Hardcore. Absolutely, you know? yeah, yeah. But I feel like I can sense it somehow in there. For sure. And it gets a little harder for me as, like, time progresses um, when kind of just once again to that, like, when things get, like, codified – you know, you start, and there are a lot of exceptions. Like even when I think about things like 
uh, I say like early youth crew, but it's like, I like in my eyes mm-hmm. and that's just a retelling of a retelling, Sure, you know? And so, yes, there are examples that there are probably indie rock bands that I like, but I like this era for like how not set in stone everything feels. Absolutely. You know, and there also feels like there's like so much to dig from this time frame that's not like being remembered in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I would recommend anyone like check out like the, uh, Merge Records Our Noise book and just some of the stuff from the early era bands like Butter Glory and stuff like that or Bre- uh, even some of the I love that Breadwinner Breadwinner stuff. Yeah. yeah and th- those were straight up like that's people from Honor Roll mm-hmm. um, and like you know Richmond hardcore bands yep. and yeah just so much of it just like so much good weird music that <laughs> is forgotten well, you know? well even like you know talking about like the the through line of like punk and hardcore into indie rock like sometimes it's hard to trace sometimes it's very explicit like in the case of honor roll and in, in into uh into that stuff but like you know even with polvo not on this record but i think on the next record i believe on exploded drawing um like brian walsby plays on that record and that dude was in like scared straight he went yeah. he went on to be in double negative and mm-hmm. like various other bands davidians who are great um yeah. you know this i don't know man i just i think i i always like i secretly like hold my hold myself and like my friends like my peer group like in uh, when i see like indie rock fans that don't come from like punk and hardcore i just like i like silently smirk to myself just thinking like you you're not getting like you're not getting it all you know what i mean like i'm hearing i'm hearing something here that you're not getting to hear like i have like this it's like this secret club that we're all in that's like yeah dude we like super chunk and all of this stuff too that like these sort of just like white bread like college dudes from the 90s were into as well but I feel like we're hearing like a hidden frequency in all that music and it, it just ele- yeah. it, it, it elevates it all all for me you know yeah i definitely used to be a lot more of a jerk about that like i felt like it was it's i think i used to call it like it was like a top-down thing it's like like i feel like we came from like you know punk and hardcore and then we kind of like went up to let's say we're in andy rock or whatever now sure um and then a lot of them like came in from like Radiohead, which sure. is like fine or wh- whatever the equivalent is. And then they kind of like met us in the middle. Right. But I feel like it's like sometimes their ethic seems too strong of a word, but it's like the way that they perceive the point of why they're playing, mm-hmm. like it always tends to be a little different. There are people that, you know, they, they feel like they'll be like, oh, I want to split money evenly at the end of the night or something, you know, or they, they, they have like a different goal for the end. Right. You know, and then it's like, oh, but I came at it like I didn't think there was a goal. I'm just doing this because I have nowhere else to go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's you an know? uncontrollable compulsion. Right. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it, but at the end of the day, like as time progressed, it was like, I guess, well, we're basically here for the same reason. Sure. So but yeah, but I uh, agreeing with you, like I definitely had those kind of things where I'm like, what are you? here for you know gatekeepy kind of things that i still have to like push myself 
to not do. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, absolutely. But, yeah. but you know, yeah, it not, is, it is, yeah. Not even just on like, uh, not just on even like an ethical or, or sort of like social tip even, but like even just in, in the, the act of listening to it, I feel like you're, you're missing, you're missing like frequencies hidden in the music if you're not coming to this stuff through punk and, and hardcore. Because I think there's, there's so much of a sonic debt there that is subtle that you could totally miss if like you didn't arrive via the bands that inspired these bands you know i mean even with like lemonheads and stuff you know there are, there are plenty of songs where there are like overt hardcore parts in a lemonhead song and like yeah it it it, it might just it might feel like a sort of like uh, a disjointed random like insertion to somebody who like isn't into hardcore right but like the there's a break there's a straight up mosh part in the song something's missing off of car button cloth like a full-on mosh part like and it's hard <laughs> it's really fucking dope and knowing that evan dando is into fucking negative approach and ssd and shit it just it's like it's it's so gratifying like just like hearing those little those little bits and pieces of like hardcore and punk dna and i feel like that's the that's sort of like the special gift that we that we get by by coming to this stuff via punk you know what i mean yeah yeah it's almost like it's like you could enjoy a certain movie i i guess I feel like I'm going to say like Marvel movies. Sure. Like you don't have to read comics to right. like a Marvel movie or something or whatever you want to quantify Dude, it as. That's but a it's perfect like, analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's like, you can enjoy it. Right. You can enjoy easily enjoy Lemonheads for what it is. You could get into Polvo just because you did. Right. You know, but it's like, yeah, there are these little things like, you know, Lemonheads were on Tang, you know, sure. they're, you know, the same label as gangrene. Right. So it's like, yeah it is like these tiny little nuggets that you know kind of feel like if you're really steeped in subculture and all parts you get a little extra gift totally man with- <laughs> yeah i mean totally I, I think that's such a perfect analogy because it's like yeah it's the difference between you know when i'm in the theater watching guardians of the galaxy everybody else is around me is having a good ass time but then i'm going oh shit that's fucking they're <laughs> dropping they're gonna drop adam warlock you know what i mean yeah. it's just like that's exactly that's exactly it you know what i mean it's just like yeah. i i just wonder like it's like i don't know how any of these people or i'll say us ever found anyone to love them <laughs> you know yeah, for, sure. <laughs> for sure no no offense anyone in pulva yeah um but it's like that sort of like digging for things mm-hmm. is just like like how am i not still a virgin oh 100 (laughs) yeah dude i well i like so i i think that this this sort of music too and like getting into college and indie rock and and sort of like discovering the the sort of like cultural through line or like just the the kind of like punk into indie rock expressway um like I got so obsessed with that. I got so mm-hmm. obsessed with that premise of like trying to look for connections to punk and hardcore everywhere. Like in every bit of culture I consumed, every band I enjoyed, like as a teenager, I would just like relentlessly search. Like I know, like I just, I have a feeling this guy had to have played in a hardcore band or whatever, you know? And it it extended to everything where I was like, just the other day, like I saw like a Facebook status that I posted in like 2007 or eight or something. And I was just like, 
do you think any of the guys in Third Eye Blind were into hardcore? Because there's some parts on that first record that I just think, you know, like, that I just feel like maybe they were into hardcore. And it was just this this total preoccupation that persists to this day. Like, still, like, finding out shit like Josh Brolin was, like, in the yeah. in the Nardcore scene, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. technically was in, like, RKL for a, a split second or whatever. I think that's yeah. why I got so into... Damien Abraham's uh, podcast from Fucked Up, like, turned out a punk because it explores, like, exactly that premise that I've been so preoccupied with for now, like, my entire cognizant (laughs) existence on Earth, basically. You know, it's like, since I could basically form complex thoughts, I was into punk, and as soon as I got into other music, I was, like, relentlessly searching for connections to punk. So, yeah, man, it is truly miraculous that any of us have ever seen another human being nude in in person for sure yeah um it really also when you were kind of talking about those connections and i feel like i do the same thing it's like even as like a little kid it was like my parents were driving by like a restaurant and i saw a guy with a mohawk Mm -hmm. and a black flag shirt before i even knew really what those were but it was just like i knew to look at it right you know and it's like if i didn't have that then it it's like probably for both of us we'd be in the QAnon or something 100 like, percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fringy yeah. person by nature so yeah. i'm sure i would have found something way worse and lamer yeah that's where i i think i've even probably made the kind of joke on here it's just like i don't understand or i don't have the time to like join a cult because it's i'm already in one yeah you know totally. it's like, like yeah kind of spending your life kind of like just kind of amassing this knowledge of stuff is why but i don't i don't know what else i would do you know if i weren't this way i have no idea no and i I think i think that subculture just it irrevocably alters your your neural pathways and your brain chemistry too like in a really tangible way you know because i think about uh, the fact that i look through I, i i look at all my social interactions or like business business uh like transactions or like artistic pursuits of any sort like through the lens of of punk and hardcore or the way that even like every time i'm in public and i'm looking at like architecture of any sort i like think about how it could be skated you know i was i was gonna mention that um that's i i feel like that's like something I mean, I BMX, but my brother skateboarded, and I feel like to this day, and I haven't really ridden my bike in like 10 years, um, it's like every once in a while I'll, you know, try and do like a 180 or something mm-hmm. on it and bust my ass and then put it up for, you know, a couple more years. But yeah, it's like I pass by anything and I think about like how it could be like skated or, you know, anything. Just like how would I hit that architecture if right. I were? And it, it feels kind of, they feel similar in a way. Totally. It's like, how could I approach this in a way it rewires your brain? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And a lot of these people were skaters. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in some way, you know, Ash, Dave, Steve, and Eddie were all skateboarders For sure. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least, like, exposed to it, you know? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think that those those cultures, especially during that period of time, were, like, uh, just intertwined in a way that you you couldn't you couldn't separate them if even if you wanted to you know yeah but i kind of like thinking about like you too i think what makes it interesting when i think about you as a person i feel like uh you don't 
draw lines as much as I feel like I, we see people do. You know, it's like you don't always exist as just like one person in my head. Does that make any sense? I mean, I'm, I'm saying a nice thing. Yeah. You know, like, like I'll explain a little bit more. Okay. Like sometimes... I feel like there's people that kind of exist as like one thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like as long as I've kind of peripherally known you, mm-hmm. I feel like I've known different versions of you, but I don't feel like you've actually changed, you know? And right. I think there's something about like when you get into something that young, I guess like how you got into Polvo so young, you kind of like the lines are blurry into like what you view as a certain type of subculture in that you don't always just say like, I'm 100% this type of kid. Sure. You know, it's like, yeah. like punk and hardcore is a huge part of who I am, but I almost struggle nowadays to even say that I'm punk, Right. you know, uh, because it's like, it feels so tied up in like other things mm-hmm. that I sort of ingest as part of the culture, my subculture identity too. Right. So, so I don't know if that like makes any sense about, I guess how I'm telling you, I perceive you in the same way. Yeah, for sure. I no, I I think I understand that. I mean, I I've talked about this like on other podcasts and with friends too. But I think, I think part of that is also just like growing up in in Indiana. And I mean, Fort Wayne isn't like a tiny backwoods city. It's like a mid-sized American city. It's like I I grew up in like an actual urban environment. It's not it's not as podunk as people might think, you know. But nonetheless, like even being within a few hours of like major metropolitan areas in in either direction you know there's like columbus which is sizable there's chicago there's detroit and indianapolis is a a major u.s city two hours south like there's still like a dearth of like real subculture here it's you you very much have to sort of like dig the well and find water if you you want to do something here it's not like you can just jump into a pre-existing current you know what i mean so because of that, it necessitated like cross pollination and like letting any band play your shows, getting into anything cool that you could, like being discerning, but at the same time not being, um, not like uh, neglecting other forms. Like it was just we didn't have like the luxury of doing that. You know what I mean? You, you, I couldn't just I could not in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the '90s and early aughts have been like a youth crew kid you know what i'm saying there was not there was nothing there for me to interact with i had to like get into death metal and oi and college rock and midwest emo and hardcore you know what i mean it was just like if i wanted anything to do i just needed to like consume it all and i think also part of that is just being like by nature interested in in subculture and sort of like the minutiae of it and um, like the various sort of historical lines and threads and the family trees of that stuff. I think it, there's like a certain type of brain that just gets hyper obsessive about that stuff. And I unfortunately was born with, with that type of brain for sure. Yeah. Like I, I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, which was like beach town, like three or four hours away from Charlotte, which is a big city in North Carolina. Um, so it was the same thing. It was like, you could, you know it was like one week it was a metalcore show the next week it was a ska show yep. and then whatever was happening in the early 2000s you know it was like you couldn't just be I, and I knew plenty of kids that did mm-hmm. but I would have had a lot less fun had I just been like I'm only gonna go see whoever you know yeah. six feet under or something sure. <laughs> you know um, whatever kind of came through the town uh, 
yeah so i feel the same way so it's like i had to get into you know hot water music at the same time that i did spaz or the same time i got into no effects because it's like it all piqued my interest and i wasn't going to be like i'm only pop punk kid right right you know yeah as much as you tried it was like you weren't going to have any friends for sure you know so you know there was probably one other like kid with liberty spikes and i wasn't going to spend all my time with them yeah 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 well well, i think i think i was actually very shocked when i i guess i first started interacting with like other scenes and communities that existed in larger like larger cities and when i first started making music that anybody at all like gave a shit about outside of like my immediate circle like I remember, like, it, you know, it was via playing music that was, like, largely indebted to, like, a lot of Midwest emo, like, 90s Midwest emo stuff. And, like, I remember, like, a lot of the coverage that I got around that time uh, from, you know, Noisy or whoever, it was always, like, talking about how it felt like there was uh, some sort of, like, stark juxtaposition between, like, how I presented or looked or, like, my outward interests and the music that I was making. And I remember thinking it was very strange at the time because, like, I mean, I had been exposed to, like, other scenes nationally and whatnot by that point, but I guess I still had, like, the naive assumption that that was just sort of, like, the standard, standard thing. I was just, like, I guess I just, I was, like, I just failed to realize why it was weird that, like, a dude with, like, a hate breed face tattoo would be making music that, like is ripping off braid you know i just like i truly just like i was just like i don't i mean when i sat down and analyzed it i was like yeah i guess i can understand how that would be that might seem strange but i guess my presumption going into it was just like everybody was into hate breed and also cap and jazz because like why wouldn't you be they're both really good (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so i think i think i was just uh yeah, I think it was a it was a cultural thing. It was partly inherited because my dad, again, like especially in the '80s, my dad and uncle and stepdad. I mean, you truly had to just like that was all done through tape trades. So it was just like literally whatever people from the coast were sending them and being like, "This is cool. This is cool. This is cool." They had to like collect it all, enjoy it all. I mean, trying to be like just a hardcore kid in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in like 1986 would have been a Sisyphean task, you know. So. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was uh, I, I think just being into to everything is just like it's just the way to be, man. It's a better life. It's a cooler life. It's certainly more fun and more filled with uh, sick shit, you know. I think the way in which a lot of this stuff connects back to like Polvo and that and that scene is that um, it felt that stuff felt like eclectic to me in a way that was like comforting and familiar because I think. Uh, above all else, you know, it's it's sort of like idiosyncratic nature. It's it's singular nature. It's strangeness. It did very much feel like music that was indebted to many things at once. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it felt like something that was. I don't know. It sounded as weird as I felt for one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, yeah. Which I, there was lots of music that I had heard at that, that, that point that felt as, that sounded as angry as I felt or as sad as I felt or whatever. And Polvo, I think sounded as like strange as I felt. And mm-hmm. like I said, they did capture like, like this eclecticism that I was already finding myself like very immersed in where I, I liked, I felt like I liked outcast as much as I liked butthole surfers, as much as I liked, 
Gorilla Biscuits, you know what I mean? And so to find something that just felt like disjointed and strange and eclectic in the way that Polvo did, it just felt very, very right for me in that moment, you know? Yeah, and a lot of things that I was reading about Polvo, they kind of talk about how, like, Ash liked kind of like eastern sounds mm-hmm. uh you know and but some of it i think it's like this is just once again like kind of the way he was and i think it's like a relationship that grew as you listen to like other polvo records but i kind of feel like as with this record i'm not sure if that was the reason i think it's just once again kind of like this is the way he is yeah you know so 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 you kind of start looking for things like why am i this way or what other things kind of sound this way that i can kind of like kind of add to my personality so i think they kind of start building Mm -hmm. that way but yeah it just doesn't feel like um it's like oh i gotta like add a tuning that's probably you know only chinese artists use right you know i mean i could be completely wrong but it's kind of like one or the other not completely completely like he needed to do like some Asian exploration and like, I don't hear that here. No, not really. Like I, like the original, the original album cover. Um, I mean, I guess has some like nods to like Eastern imagery. And I think, um, as you pointed out, like as the discography progresses, um, like those, those sort of like undercurrents become more pronounced, but also Mm -hmm. Ash Bowie, I know is like part Japanese. Mm -hmm. Um, so like it, it, it also might i mean that's also just like a sincere sort of like cultural heritage you know what i mean it's not even just like an interest in in that stuff but also just like an actual like inherited legacy um so i think that kind of like ties back into what you were talking about in the sense that a lot of this feels just like innate to the person that he is it doesn't feel nothing about it feels uh put on or like postured or uh, polvo feels like at once like very intentional and also like a total accident you know what i mean yeah you said it so much better than me that's what i was struggling to get at like i appreciate it um because yeah none of it feels like someone wearing a thing right you know it's just and i i love that way of writing like i always tell people and i i don't know if i've nailed it like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i would say i have but it's like when i try and write songs nowadays um, I feel like it's like, who am I inherently? Sure, absolutely. Like, even if I'm not gonna, if somehow I'm gonna be like, oh, I wish this wasn't me, mm-hmm. just kind of know that this is me. Right. Like, so it's like, if you write a song and it's the best new metal song you've ever written, you know, anyone's <laughs> right. written, be that person, right. you know? It's like, so it just feels inherently like they couldn't be more honest. Right. Like, this is who these weirdos are. Yeah. And the best way. Yeah. 100%, yeah. man. Yeah I, I, yeah. I feel like there's no better way to, to summarize it than that. It, it all ties back into the image of like the townie walking around town with the guitar with no case, man. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's who these people, even if that's not who these people are to a T, like spiritually, like at their core, these dudes are weirdo townies for sure. And like, I, if you've heard any of the uh, of like Ash Bowie's just like solo home recordings that he collected under the name Libra Ness, um, it came out in like 2000. It it just it further reinforces that idea because those are like totally solo. So it's even without the influence of of any other human beings. And um, 
and I it's certainly not as good as Polvo, but uh, and nor is it I think as like sort of fully realized uh, a musical thought. It's more just like collected sort of ideas jotted down, you know, on tape. Um, but you get I think it's a real window into sort of like the inner workings of like Ash Bowie's brain and like process because there's so much weird shit going on on that Libra Ness record. You should definitely check it out. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um, have you ever listened to the band Bitch Magnet? So I know I know who that band is, but I don't think that I've ever actually like dove in and checked them out really. Yeah, I think if you, I mean, not that they sound, that's the interesting thing. Like, I feel like any of these bands could play together, but they don't inherently sound mm-hmm. exactly the same. Yeah. You know, uh, Bitch Magnet became Seam. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, fuck, yeah, and, I fucking love yeah. Seam so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's definitely more of like the, like Seam kind of feels like it's kind of going one singular way. Yeah. Um, but it's the same, uh, Sue Young Park mm-hmm. is his name. Yep. Um, so he's, I think he plays bass and sings in Bitch Magnet okay. and then sings and plays guitar. Yeah. And that also seem was a band that Mac from Super Chunk played in. Right. So, you know, uh, for, for a second really. Um, but just like, just kind of hammering again into that kind of scene at that time. Like, I feel like I don't want to be that guy, but I'm like, damn, I just wish this is where I could have grown up, Dude. you know? And I, I know you wouldn't appreciate it in the same way. Cause I'd be like, sure. Oh, I wish I could have blah, blah, blah. But it just feels like, like an anything kind of goes thing before, mm-hmm. like this weird snapshot just feels like this is. I know we're kind of repeating ourselves a lot, or I am. Um, it feels like what I feel like '82 hardcore kind of was. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just before it became '84 right. <laughs> hardcore. Because I feel like at that point things kind of started being like, well, we have to be this, or we have right. to be a hard rock band now. Because there's even a point like a few years later where it's like oh, we're indie rock bands now, mm-hmm. so we have to, you know, we have to associate as such. Right. Like, even probably after this record came out, um, like, Polvo got a tour with with uh, Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. like, right off the heels of this. So it's, you know, there's expectations, and expectations are, like, kind of fuck things up for, yeah. <laughs> for a lot of ways. Oh, you know, totally. it's like you start assuming that this is either, like, how you have to sound or, like, you have an idea of like you have to be successful and that's not why you did it in the first place and it's something i personally i'm really putting myself way too much into this that i struggle with because it's like it was never my intention right like and it's kind of silly because it's like if i started a band because i liked the band buffalo tom how much success could have I expected to ever get? Right. You know? Sure, sure, yeah. You know, when my, when the things that I'm looking at, like, let's say it's like, if you aspire to be Polvo, what are you even aspiring to? Right. And yeah, I, yeah. I say that with like respect yeah. for them. Like, it's like, you know, you should, I don't know what the equivalent would be. And I don't want to sound like I'm like, in case anyone in Polvo actually ever listened to this, it's like, I say that with the most utmost respect. Yeah, totally. Like it's, you can't, one, you can't sound like Polvo. Right. Two, that's like a weird thing of like when bands started then sounding like SSD. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to be able to do it. Right. Like it's like Terminator 3 was a great movie, probably, but it was never going to be good because Terminator 2 was the best movie ever made. <laughs> right, yeah. So if your band is trying to be SSD, it's like you're going to fall short. <laughs> For you sure, know? right, right, right. So, so it's like, if Terminator 3 was just Terminator 3 without any of the context, you'd be like, fun action movie. But right. it has a lot to stand up for, you know? Right. 
there's plenty of other like you know i could say like highlander too it's like you can't be better than highlander so right it's all downhill from there. Well, and also introducing yeah. the alien subplot into Highlander Two yeah. is probably a pretty big misstep, no matter how you cut it. But but yeah, yeah. your point your point stands yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I I one hundred percent mirror your your perspective on just like I get real. I mean, Skylar and I have talked about it actually a lot. Uh, like Skylar from Taking Meds, Growing Stone, etc. Like we've just talked about. Like, dude, imagine if we were getting to make music and. 1993 like 1994 mm-hmm. just like what a different different world different cultural landscape you know it, it's i try not to i not i, I try not to put on like rose-colored glasses anytime i can mm-hmm. help it but when i do go like because you know i re-listened to this uh to like today's active lifestyles um earlier today just in like preparation for recording this and it that that particular sensation struck me as it always does when I listen to shit from this era. It's just like, dude, I, in this world, I could I could be anyone. I could be anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could have like I could have done anything I wanted, and it all would have like flown. Like how how incredibly enriching it would have been to even just get to be in the room with these bands. Like let alone be sort of like peers and contemporaries with them so i i try not to take like what i have for granted and realize i still get to live like a very cool life and i've gotten to do a lot of cool shit but i on occasion can't help but to get sucked into just feelings of nostalgia for a thing i didn't even get to experience you know yeah it's also like it feels kind of weird because it's i i mean i do the same thing like every day but I'm like, why am I even drawn to this era? Like, technically, I could easily be drawn to, like, the year 2000, mm-hmm. you know, based on, like, my age, you know? Sure. And it's like, and it always, it also feels like it's like I'm kind of setting myself up to fail by being, yeah. <laughs> in investing my time into an era of music that I feel like, unfortunately, hasn't been, like, well-remembered. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 me, you, and Skyler, and then guys that are fifty. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, that, <laughs> dude, that was perfectly. There was no that was no better exemplified for me. Like I realized how how utterly alone I was when like so years ago I was signed to No Sleep Records, which like some listeners will remember as like you know an indie label that had a moment. They had you know balance and composure and into it over it and stuff uh shit that was hot at that moment a lot of dispute for i think a, a brief second touche amore mm-hmm. for a brief second a lot of stuff and i was signed to that label and like i got signed off of the back of just like singer songwriter stuff that i didn't kind of expect anybody to give a shit about and that i just did because i was like bored at that 2 a.m on a sunday night and kicked out some songs and started playing shows and like got offered a record deal and so kind of tying back into that idea of like expectation i felt like oh shit i didn't i don't really like doing this but i I guess i kind of got to roll with it because like i am a bum of the highest degree and like i don't want to work a normal nine-to-five job and like i'd much rather get paid to play hardcore but like if i gotta do these elliot smith ass songs and i can like tour on it then like I'll do that. You know what I mean, I, I, can, yeah. I can roll with that. But the minute that I had like a record budget at all, I was just like, well, fuck this. I'm going to record the shit that I like really like that. I really want to record. Like if I'm going to be on the indie label, let me record my indie rock record. And so I, I made a record that was like 
incredibly indebted to to super chunk specifically super chunk but like a lot of of merge records shit from this era and um everybody in sort of like my age bracket or like the demographic that like no sleep was targeted to which was even younger than the the age that i was when i was putting that record out they were like what is this isn't like emo but it's not like yeah. pop punk either they had like no reference points for it at all but then like especially in the intervening years since then like between then and now i'll i feel like so many like 50 year olds i've like made friends with like people's dads because they're like oh i found your record and it's sick it like it totally totally sounded like super chunk and i was like yeah, yeah. That's what or I was yeah or they'd for. be like or sometimes they'll be like oh you sound like dag nasty field day or something right, right, you know right, right. or something or like and you're like I, I love that record but you've just squandered away any potential that i'll ever have by telling me that that's what this sounds like to you you know right, right. you're like oh fuck this is it's like that honest thing of being like oh shit this is actually who i am yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. and i love it but it's like i love living there in my head for sure but then it also feels like a prison it is definitely it is definitely a prison that i can't (laughs) escape from like it's it's like uh i can't i I think maybe it was like andrew from self-defense family i think once described like hardcore as like uh like a failure prison or something along those lines or like a failure club where it's just like you constantly self-defeat and I get very much like my my obsession with like subculture and whatnot does it absolutely feels like a, a, an anchor tied around my fucking ankle and albatross around my neck sometimes because I'm like I literally no matter what I do like if I am being authentic there's no way that I can ever be like truly successful <laughs> I'm really like yeah. being myself and like indulging like my true desires and proclivities and inclinations like this is it for me it's like a like a one-bedroom apartment is like that's the rest of my life which is fine but it's just yeah. like i'm gonna be surrounded by the fucking detritus of like a life just immersed in this fucking world you know but like yeah i, I will i'll never put out records that people give a shit about <laughs> outside of like a small peer group you know i'm like i'm never gonna make art that like uh, it elevates elevates me to any sort of greater level of success like even the way that i run like my business like you know i sell vintage clothing and even that like the the diy ethic sort of like permeates it and undermines my ability to like maximize profits in that regard the way that i yeah. run my fucking podcast it's the same deal you know what i mean it's just like i am i'm truly like tethered to this this subculture and this ethic uh, for better or for worse until till I'm in the grave, you know? Yeah, you're speaking way too much my language. Like, it's it's like I'm just staring at myself right now. You know? Um, <laughs> well, even, like, there's, like, silly things that I do that somehow feel like it's probably because of this thing. Is even, like, this is so inside baseball. I'm going to talk about recording on a podcast while on a podcast. <laughs> but it's like I have a better podcast microphone I could right. use. Yet I feel like using a not as good podcast keeps it more grounded. <laughs> sure, sure. And it's like, what the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> right. But it's like, it's like I feel comfortable there. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. what is this? Like, this is like, we could like be flipping NFTs. Like, no doubt. if we weren't like this, like we yeah. would be real estate agents. You know, for sure. I I have I have homies with like, you know, 
I have full access to like top notch like recording studios that I could like get into for like cheap to free. But like when I started doing like the solo project that I that I spend most of my time with now, Kill Surf City, instead of just hitting any of them up, I I recorded on my 2011 MacBook Air which at the time I only had the internal microphone on there which really couldn't pick up electric guitar too well so I recorded the whole like my whole LP like on a fucking 1967 Yamaha acoustic guitar into the internal mic of the MacBook Air and then like my, like then amped it all like fake amped the whole thing and I didn't have a bass, so I played all of the bass on, like, synth keyboard. But I also didn't even have a MIDI keyboard, so I literally just used the keyboard of my fucking computer to record, yeah. like, all the bass for that record. And I easily, easily could have circumvented all of that. But for whatever reason, I'm just like, this is the way to do it because it's just me. <laughs> it's just me doing this, and these are the resources that I have, even though I have access to much greater resources that will increase the ease with which I can do this and the overall quality of the end product. This is how I'm going to do it because this is what I have access to in my living room, and therefore, yeah. <laughs> you know. Wow, that's, once again, speaking to me so much. Like It feels like your process is your process. And you can't do anything but to stop yourself from, like, continually doing that way because yeah. it's, like, I, sometimes I feel like it's, like, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable making – I have made records in studios, as I know you have, yeah. but it's, like, when I'm kind of truly in that mode, mm -hmm. I'm, like, I have to do it this way. Totally. Like, even if it's, like, I'm just punching a wall yep. until I can, like, run a cable through it, you know? And someone's, like, you could just run it through the door. Yeah. And I'm, like, but this is the way I'm doing it. Right. You know? It's, like, you can't – yeah, like, even when you read the stuff about, like, Nirvana, um, when they recorded with Steve Albini and, like, his writings where he's, like, if you spend more than a week, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And I feel like to a degree, like I feel like I've had to unlearn being like, you don't have to get a record done in three days, right? you know, but I'm like way past the point that I probably should have learned that fact. Absolutely. You know? And then I'm like, but then where I've arrived is like, well, I understand you can't, you don't have to do it in three days, but five days is probably <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I could take some of it home, Yeah. you know? And so it's like, it really is like prison of your own making. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I also feel like sometimes that's when art is the best. Totally. You know, when it has some parameters, you know? Yeah. I agree. Like, it's like, that's totally fine if your band recorded a record in like, you know, three weeks. Mm -hmm. But I'm, chances are I might not like it. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's even like the best movies, you mm -hmm. know, like are have so many limitations. It's like, well, we couldn't do it, so we did this instead. Right. And that's like, well, it's better for that because the more you can see, you know, kind of the worse it gets with things like that. And I think like music is the same way. Right. Like, you don't. It's like we didn't need to see Yoda flipping. <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. It was. We need not to, to. We need. <laughs> we needed to just assume that he could. Right. Exactly. You know, and it's like. And I don't know how to tie that back to Polvo, um, you know, but, like, sometimes less is more. And I think that's it. 
it's better for it yeah you know for sure i think limitation breeds innovation you know yeah um again just like tying polvo and that entire scene back to to first wave you know u.s hardcore and whatnot i think it's i think it's the same deal it's not like these bands had um infinite funds or like access to like high high tier professional studios and like recording engineers and whatnot and i frankly think that like i can't i can't imagine this music recontextualized in you know with all of those components at play i think again like the amateurishness of it is is one of the defining characteristics of it that that gives it its like charm and and timeless quality i I mean that applies to literally so many like subcultural like micro genres you know second wave first and second wave black metal you know take your pick take your pick man it's just like all all of i think yeah man I, i just think limitation breeds innovation and like i think even as i've gotten older and I make marginally more money or I have marginally more connections and, and could make my life easier. Um, I think still like working within the framework of those limitations to me, just feels like not only does it feel more familiar and off uh, familiar and comfortable because, you know, like my neural pathways are fucking calcified. Um, but it also, there's like, whether this is true or not, which I'm sure it isn't, it's just some, something I've created in my head, but there's like, it feels like it's retaining some degree of like authenticity that would be absent were I to step up to the next echelon of, of professionalism, you know? Yeah. And I guess with that said, I mean, I feel like, you know, we kind of come to a logical stopping point on it. Uh, do you have anything else that you would want to say if anyone from Polvo is listening? Uh, just, yo, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for making these records. Cause that, I mean, I think this is a, a turn of phrase that is, is like thrown around lightly and, and flippantly, but not by me. Like this genuinely changed, like how I thought about music, which I mean, again, I was 14, so it wasn't hard to do, but if I had heard it at 20, it would have done the same thing. You know, whenever I would have come to this record, I think it would have had the same effect. I mean, I just encourage if there's anybody you know in the sound of my voice who hasn't listened to this record um i strongly encourage you to to do it because it really highlights it really highlights the fact that like whatever you think your sonic limitations are within the framework of like guitar music generally speaking you're probably wrong about them because this record does so much that no records did before it and virtually no records have succeeded in doing after it um i think this really stands as like a very singular testament to a very singular band at a specific time in their existence and um i just i can't can't sing its praises high enough man i think this is really one of the best i think this is one of the best and most unique and just like triumphant beautifully melancholic records put to tape man i i we 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 talked about the record some we've talked about our lives <laughs> we've talked about <laughs> how we relate to it but like yeah if i had to, to to close out you know with anything i would just say like i think this record really like if you're a fan if you're part of subculture if you're a fan of like any permutation of like punk or indie rock i think that this record has something for you yeah, yeah. I always feel like Polvo is always going to be underrated, 
and that bumps me out but then i also feel like that makes it where it's like always something that kind of gives something back to you absolutely you know it's like i want more people to know polvo polvo is amazing but then it's also still mine yeah yeah absolutely and that feels good but uh, where can people find you online um, although I wouldn't necessarily encourage you finding me online, if that's something that you're dead set on doing, um, you know, you can find me on Instagram at Gray X Gordon, uh, Facebook at the same. I would probably more direct you towards any of the various artistic pursuits that I have. So you can listen to the podcast I do. Uh, it's just called Demo Listen. Um, we listen to punk, hardcore, metal, indie rock, all sorts of stuff. And then we just kind of speak off the cuff extemporaneously about the stuff that we hear um i make a shit ton of music uh i do solo stuff under the moniker kill surf city i also do some some kind of slow core stuff under the moniker terminal crush i collaborate with a homie of mine nick fit and another homie mike under the moniker summerhead it's like trip hoppy stuff that's equal parts portis head and spaceman three um, you know, I play in a black metal band called Antlers is Roots. I do a lot of shit. I'm, I'm, um, eternally, eternally too busy. Um, <laughs> if, and if I guess, I guess since I do make my living this way, if you like old clothes, band shirts, Jinko jeans, <laughs> whatever it is you, you, that you like, I sell clothes too, uh, under the moniker, can I kick it vintage, which you can find on you know all all the social medias and ebay and all that kind of stuff i do a lot of shit you know i I guess if you're interested just find me and ask me and i'll i'll tell you i'll direct you somewhere yeah and if uh truly before i let you go um if you if you die Mm -hmm. in your will can you please leave the uh superman standee to me (laughs) okay yeah that's fair i don't think anybody else is going to be clamoring for that so word i got you Welcome back. Thanks again to Gray for coming on the pod. Check out Demolison Podcast and Gray's bands Kill Surf City, Terminal Crush, Antlers' Roots, Summerhead, and honestly, so many more. I don't know how you find the time, Gray. You can also pick up great vintage gear from him at Can I Kick It Vintage? So thanks again. Okay. Next week, we're chatting with Dylan Walkman of the band Dollar Signs. We're talking about Gorillaz's 2010 album, Plastic Beach. Before I let you go, don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Follow us on social media. That's Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Just share us with friends and all over social media. Every little bit helps. Thanks, as always, to Sarah Blumenthal for adding the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>